Okay, are you ready for this? Remember when we changed from Maurice Nicole to Morris Nickel? We started to pronounce it correctly because we learned. And we're adaptable because being intelligent means that you have the ability to adapt. And of course, I've been calling Macedonia, Macedonia, because that's the American way to say the name of the country. But I found, now that I'm here this time, that it's not Macedonia, it's Macedonia. This is not where the Macarena started. And this is not where they grow macadamia nuts. So that's our first thing is we have that. And as you can tell, life presents us with problems. Life has problems. We just have problems in life. Everybody does. I don't care who you are. If you're the king of the universe, you have problems. If you're the lowest beggar, if you're one of the unclean in India, you have problems. No matter where you are in the whole stratosphere of social order, you have problems in life. Male, female, child, adult, it doesn't matter. Old person, young person, everybody has problems in life until esoteric teachings find us. When esoteric teachings find us, problems in life are not important anymore. What becomes important is then we have the problem with life. So esoteric teachings give us a problem with life. In life we have the problems. When esoteric teachings grab hold of us and find us and choose us, because that's what happens. Esoteric teachings choose you. You don't choose them, they choose you. People are walking around and they have no choice about whether or not they're going to find these teachings. But if the teachings find them, then they have some choice. Like it says in esoteric writings, Many are called, but few are chosen. And when you're chosen, you're stuck. It's got you. It's caught you in its net, as we've talked about before. Esoteric teachings are sweet at first, but soon they turn bitter. At first, everybody embraces these teachings with, Oh, that's wonderful. That could help my husband so much. Oh, that's wonderful. That would help my wife so much. Oh, that's wonderful. I know my father needs this. Oh, that's wonderful. I could teach that my children need this or whomever. And so esoteric teachings are sweet. We accept them readily. And it's like in Revelation, it's written, Then the voice which I heard from heaven, I heard again speaking with me and saying, Go, take the book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel, telling him to give me the little book. And he said to me, Take it and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it. And in my mouth it was sweet as honey. And when I'd eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. People read this and they, what is that? What does this mean? And it's very simple because it's esoteric. It doesn't mean that you eat books, but it does mean that you take in this knowledge, this special knowledge that comes from an angel, which is a messenger from above. So this angel, this messenger from a higher realm, and it doesn't have to be a physical being of light with wings and all the rest of the nonsense we think about, but just imagine for a moment that this angel is simply the message. It is the message of esoteric teachings. It is the message that there is something else for you. That this is not all there is. That the problems of life don't have to eat you alive. They don't have to gobble you up. They don't have to make you cry. They don't have to make you happy. They don't have to make you run here. They don't have to make you run there. The problems of life are all changed the moment that esoteric teachings start to get hold of you. Because then life is the problem. You have a problem with life, not problems in life. Self-observation reveals a formidable enemy with which we must contend rather than a series of problems to be solved that life is giving us. In life, people run like rats on a wheel. This problem, that problem, solve, solve, solve. Okay, I got this, now I need to get that, now I want this, now I need to get that. And it's this constant running on this wheel. It goes over and over. And then, bitterness always follows self-observation. As soon as you begin to observe yourself, bitterness starts. 
because what you've taken is the knowledge from this little book. And at first it was very sweet in your mouth, but when you start to digest it, once it gets hold of you, once it gets in your stomach, once it starts to get into the midst of you, then the real bitterness begins because you have seen things. The more we observe, the more we marvel and wonder how what we've found could possibly be overcome. Mile and I were talking about this. Yes, but how do you do it? How can I ever do this? It's never, there's never enough time. How can I ever overcome these things? I can't stop doing this. I can't stop doing that. Everything looks insurmountable when we start to observe ourselves because we see what we've never seen before. We see all of the things that we've been ignoring, all of the things that while we were running on the wheel, our nose was to the grindstone and we never got to see the things about ourselves that were making us run, that were making us crazy, that were making us have all these problems. And so as we look at it all, well, the truth of you cannot do starts to become more and more real to us. In Revelation, back to Revelation again, because it's a book people don't understand, because it's pure esotericism. And the dragon stood on the sand of the seashore. Then I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, having ten horns and seven heads. And on his horns were ten diadems. And on his heads were blasphemous names. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were like those of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his throne and great authority. I saw one of the heads as if it had been slain and his fatal wound was healed. And the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. They worshipped the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast saying, Who is like the beast and who is able to wage war with him? This is what we find when we begin to observe ourselves. We find that there's this beast and we look at it and we go, Who is like this? Who can overcome this? Who can deal with this? How can I possibly ever do the things that are required of me? I can't remember myself. I can't do these things. So it becomes more and more bitter all the time. So the meaning of everything is false personality. Now find what isn't. is gradually realized the more we observe. Questions arise, but there are no answers. Problems without solutions. How do we get this way? Why? Why is it necessary for us to be here? I don't want to be here anymore. Why do I have to do this? I don't like this anymore. The beast is acquired in life and it gradually begins to feed on us. At first, like we were talking about this morning, about children, all this negativity from the world with little children doesn't affect them. They don't care. It may sway them for a moment, but then it falls off them. It just is like water off a duck's back. They don't care. But as they get older, more and more of it sticks to them. More and more of it sticks to them. As they develop more and more of this beast, this thing, this personality starts to enclose them as it starts to smother them, as it starts to coat them and cover them. It's like picking up lint and it keeps sticking and sticking and sticking and all these things, wherever we go, something else sticks, something else sticks. And you see a child get heavier and heavier and the shine in their eyes goes further and further away and the smile on their face becomes more and more rare. And their delight and wonder at life becomes something that you remember and you take out your photo album and you look at the photo album and you say, you remember when she was like this, remember when he was like that. Now look at them. Now they're unhappy. Now they're this. Now they're that. It's amazing. We acquire this beast gradually and it starts to feed on us. It starts to eat us. It starts to weaken our essence and draw our feeling of ourselves into itself. Whatever beast we acquire is of no importance in life. If you're a president, if you're a king, if you're a thief, or if you're a murderer, if you're an actor, if you're a rock star, if you're a panhandler, it makes no difference. It will never develop our essence. If you're the smartest man in the world, it will never develop your essence. If you're the stupidest person in the world, it will not develop your essence. Essence cannot be worked on directly. 
And this is the big problem we have. How am I going to do this? How am I going to change this? I can't get a handle on it. I can't grab hold of it. It's not like I can pick this up and move it over here. It's not like I can change this. It can't be touched directly. The only way to deal with essence is through personality. This we have to learn to observe, the personality. We have to learn to observe the one thing we never want to look at. We have to force ourselves to face it. And it takes courage to face it, but we force ourselves to face it. And what is it? It's acquired opinions, attitudes, moods, all of those things. You'll be sitting there and someone will say, what's the matter with you? Nothing, nothing. Then why do you look like that? And then you start to get agitated. Leave me alone. Why do I look like what? Get away from me. Stop it. It's because we don't like to look at ourselves. We don't like to look at the mood that has come over us. We don't like to look at... We're sitting here, it's a beautiful sunny day, and all of a sudden there's this dark cloud over us, and we don't understand why. And we get sullen, and we get moody. And this is the personality, and this is the thing that must be observed. But we can't observe it, because we are it. Because our feeling of ourself has been sucked into it. Essence is lost, because it's constantly coded over and over again, with these attitudes, with these moods, with these feelings, with these opinions. All of these things that we acquire passing through life. And so our feeling of ourself has been sucked into it. And so we imagine that we think. We imagine that we feel. I say, what's the matter with you? Well, I feel this way. What do you think? I think this. We imagine that it's us thinking. We think we know. We think we feel. We think all of these things. Oh, yeah, that's me. When it's not us at all. It's really what we acquired from other people. It's the lint. It's the stuff that's growing over what we have lost from our childhood. Personality surrounds essence the same way that the flesh of an avocado surrounds the seed of an avocado. The seed can never grow by increasing the flesh. You can increase the flesh and make it as big as a watermelon, but it still will not make the seed grow. The flesh coats the seed more and more, and it takes it further and further away from its ability to grow. The seed can never grow that way. And essence is like that. It cannot grow by increasing personality. Personality is like the flesh of the avocado. Essence is like the seed of the avocado. The more flesh that you grow, it doesn't help the seed at all. The main task that esoteric teachings give us is very simple. Reduce the personality so it stops robbing us of our essential self, so it stops robbing us of our life energy, so it stops starving the essence of us to feed itself. So personality is the thing that robs us of our strength. It's like the government. You make money, the government wants their little taste. They want their little bit. To go shopping, they tax this, they tax that. Everybody wants to take their part. The personality is like that. It's taking its part, it's taking its part. And slowly it begins to eat more and more and more until there's hardly anything left for you and you struggle. And this is the way it is for us. Morris Nichols said, false personality is the guiding devil. And in our terminology that we're using today from Revelation, it's the dragon. And the dragon stood on the sand of the seashore. The beast is different. The dragon is what gives the beast the power. Morris Nichols said false personality is the guiding devil or the dragon of personality, which is like the beast. Our personalities are the cause of all our unhappiness, all of our problems, all of our misery, all of our discord. What is it in life that makes things difficult? It's personalities. Personalities that collide with one another, creating the violence upon which our world is based. Why is it that some people don't want to be happy? They can't be happy. Why is it that they're so focused on, you have to change. In order for me to be happy, you must be different. It's the personality. It's what we acquire in life, thinking that this is what's going to make us happy. This is what has to happen. But we must begin by seeing, through proper self-observation, just one or two traits belonging to the personality. And then try to divert our life force from always running into these familiar paths 
they lead always to the personality and feed it. It's like a river with little tributaries. And the tributaries are all coming in and they're feeding the river. So the little streams here and little streams there. And it all comes down into this one and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And so what we have to do is we have to find these little tributaries, these little streams, and one at a time begin to block them so that they stop feeding this big river of personality that's washing us away, that's carrying us away. It's like we're stuck on it. It is driving us. It's moving us. And we can't swim against it because it's too strong. And we can't get out of it because the current is too strong. And there are rocks in it. And then it gets more and more dangerous. And so what we have to do is slowly work on one after another these little areas. And you see this one. This one is feeding the big one. And so you stop it. And this one is feeding the big one. So you stop it. Maybe you can only stop one or two at a time. But you have to stop them up. You have to dam them up, as it were. And that's what esoteric teachings tell us to do. They say, look, through proper self-observation, just find one or two of these little streams that are feeding this river. These things that are feeding the personality. Try to divert the energy, so that it doesn't go there anymore, but so that it goes to your essential self, so that it goes to the eyes in you that want to work, so that it goes to the better eyes, basically. It's just a simple choice, a simple selection. Go with the best eye that you can find, but you have to be awake to do that. But essence cannot be made awake without working on personality first. Essence cannot be reached directly. It can only be reached through personality for us. Only when we begin to work on personality, through this inner vision, of self-observation, this inner sense, for our own purposes, for our own development, not for anyone else. If you do this work for someone else, it's not going to work. You have to do this work only for yourself. If you try to do it to please someone else, forget about it. It's not going to work. The only thing that will work is if you decide to do it for yourself, for you, for your own development. You have to remember this is self-development. You can't develop anybody else and no one else can develop you. But it's only then that the life force can start to feed essence. All the water that's going into false personality, all the tributaries that are feeding it, is all good. But once it gets into personality, then the dragon, false personality, starts directing it. It starts directing that water. Water is a beautiful thing. It's a great thing. It's a very fluid thing that is non-resistant. But look at how it wears away rocks. Look at what a tsunami can do. It's just water. But when that water is directed by the dragon, by the false personality, it does a lot of damage. And so what we're trying to do is take away some of the power of the water that is the personality and give it to the essence instead so that we can develop. You must find where your personality is blocking you, draining your force. You've got to develop a distaste for its behavior where you're going to stay stuck through identification. No transformation is possible. I have a friend and he knows that he's negative. Yeah, I'm negative. And he admits it. And that is his merit. Yeah, I'm negative. And that's what he calls working. Yes, I'm negative. I know I'm negative. And that's it. He just leaves it there. But it takes more than that. You can't just know you're negative. I'm negative, so what? <laughs> yeah, I'm negative. Exactly. I'm negative, so what? But not only that, but he takes a little bit of pride in it. I'm negative, and I have the courage to admit it. Where you fools are all negative, and you don't admit it. So I'm better than you. You can see that that's feeding only the false personality. Only the false personality. It's building pride. It's building self-love. So you've got to be careful of that. That's what happens if you're not careful. So you look and you see, where is it blocking? Where is it draining my force? But unless you develop this distaste for it, unless it makes your stomach bitter, unless it rankles you, unless you look at it and you say, I don't want this anymore. I need to get this away from me. Until you begin to really dislike it, you're not going to do anything about it. You're going to be complacent about it. You're going to, yeah, so I'm negative, so what? 
So we've got to develop this distaste. Or else no transformation is possible. See, your personality never understands. People always want to understand, but they want to understand with their personality. Your personality never understands. Understanding can only come through your essence. It can never come through your personality. So people who are turned out to the world through their five senses, they will never understand this work. You must understand only through your essence. Understanding comes through your essence, which is internal to your personality. And if you're looking externally through your personality at the world, you're not going to understand. You'll only understand the things of the world. You will never understand the things of your essence, the things of your true being. When essence remains small, understanding must remain small. When essence grows, understanding grows with it. The roar of the beast, guided by the dragon, prevents us from doing this work, hinders us at every turn, weakens us by robbing us of force through identification. We get around food. What's the first thing we do? We go to sleep. Oh, I like this. I don't like that. Give me this. Don't give me that. We start selecting. But what do we select? What we think is the best thing for us or what we think is what we want because it comforts us. It makes us feel good. I feel bad in life, so I want to feel good. So what do I do? I eat comfort food. I eat foods that make me feel good. This reminds me of when we were kids and we used to go to this place and remember we all ate these figs. And so I'd be in this horrible mood. I saw somebody yesterday in this horrible mood, sullen, depressed. She ate a fig. And as soon as she started to eat the fig, this big smile on her face. And I said, what's this about? You're eating now and you're happy? Yeah, this reminds me of when we were kids and we went to this place and everything was wonderful and we ate figs and it was happy. That's exactly what I'm talking about. We go to sleep. We go back to something instead of dealing with what we have here now. Instead of pulling our identification out of where we are, we let the fig, the food, pull our identification out. But it just puts it somewhere else that's not real. And this does not help us. It helps us for the moment, but that's the roar of the beast, the din of this world, the screaming of this world. Everything is yelling at you. Come here, come here, give me your attention. Do this, do that. Everything is drawing your attention, attracting your attention, so that you have hardly anything left to observe yourself. That's the roar of the beast, guided by the false personality of the dragon. That's what prevents us, hinders us every time we try, robs us of our strength, our force, through this identification, through sticking us to these things in life. So the little book, it tastes sweet at first. As we digest it though, as we take it into ourselves, as we begin to assimilate this truth, the bitterness chafes us. We start to get rubbed by it. It starts to rub us raw. It starts to get very painful. We get very sensitive. We try to escape the chafing in many different ways. We go to the movies. We eat food. We drink. We take drugs. We do this. We do that. All of these things that are supposed to ease up the chafing, deaden the pain, dull it all leading to negative emotions and the ultimate violence to which they must lead. All negative emotions must lead to violence. But we justify our negative emotions. No, not this negative emotion, not this violence. This violence is good violence because it's protecting my child, it's protecting myself, it's doing this, it's doing that. So this is a good violence, but that's not what the work teaches. Still, the task stands awaiting our efforts. Make the personality passive through observing it. This the work tells us again and again and again. Esoteric teachings tell us over and over and over again. You must make the personality passive. And the only way to make it passive is by observing it. But we think we have to take the beast by the horns and we have to wrestle it down. But we see its size and we realize its power and its strength. And we realize all of its different heads and we think there's no way. There's no way. It's like a hydra. We can't do it. There are too many things to work on. Only through seeing it for yourself, coming to dislike its behavior, Bit by bit, can we slowly, painfully make personality passive? Yes, that's right. It's very unfortunate. It will make your stomach bitter. It's very unfortunate. It will chafe you. It's very unfortunate. It will be painful. 
That's right. I'll tell you right up front. This is no happy way. This is a path of pain. This is a path of suffering. But it's useful, necessary suffering that you choose because you know that there's an end to it. You know that as the personality becomes more and more passive, your useless, unnecessary suffering starts to diminish. Bit by bit, it diminishes. Time after time, we deliver this fatal head wound to the beast, but it heals itself again and again with the life force that it robs from our essence. How many times have you told yourself, I'm not going to do that anymore. You found this negative thing. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to yell at him. I don't care what he says. I'm not going to yell at him. And he says something and you find yourself a screaming idiot, screaming the same things you screamed the last time, screaming the same things you're going to scream the next time. And the beast that you killed the last time, that you gave a fatal head wound to, and you knew you stopped it because he said something to you and you didn't scream that time. Instead, you came back with a sweet smile. You came back with a soft answer and everything changed. But then the next time, the beast comes back to life and it's rearing its head again and it roars again. You find yourself riding on the back of this beast and it's taking you wherever it wants to take you and you have no choice in it whatsoever. This is what this means, that this beast receives a fatal head wound as if it was slain, but then it's healed. It heals itself and it comes back to life. And so many times what we have found in ourselves through self-observation, we find that it comes back to life no matter how many times we slay it. There's a reason for that. Truly the whole earth is hypnotized and follows the beast. The whole earth follows personality. The whole earth, it's all about personality. What attracts you to people? Their personality. What makes you shy away from people? Their personality. What makes you want something? Your personality. What makes somebody else want something? Their personality. All the things they've acquired in life. The false personality, the dragon, is worshipped in life. People run after the lives of the rich and the famous. People think, if I could win the lottery, people think, if I could have this much money, people think, if I could live there, if I could have this piece of land, if I could have this, if I could have a big house, if I could have a better car, if I could have a better husband, if I could have a better wife, then I'd be happy. That's worshipping the beast. That's worshipping the dragon. That's following after the beast. We stumble when we say, I see I do this. And imagine that this is self-observation. Yes, I see that I do that. Yes, I know that. I know that I get agitated when that happens. Yes, I know that I do that. Yes, I see that. I know that I do that. This is not self-observation. We know we're negative, but we justify it in one way or another. This is only the first step. Seeing that you do it is the first step. This is no place to stop. You don't stop with, oh, yeah, I know I, know I do that. That's fine. It's exactly what you said, Sashka. Yeah, I see I'm negative. So what? Because that's where it stops, unless we take it to the next level, unless we take the next step. Until you begin to develop this distaste, this disliking for the behavior of the personality. How can you dislike the behavior of the personality if your feeling of yourself is in it? If your feeling of yourself is in the personality, you won't dislike it because that means you're disliking yourself. Then what happens? Then you look like Moni. You know, you get all dark and sullen, a cloud comes over your head, oh, I'm a terrible person. Then you put things on your Facebook about what a horrible person you are. But that's not the truth. That's the personality. That's not you. So the second step is pulling your identification, pulling your feeling of I out of that. And it's much more difficult than just saying, yes, I see that I do that. Yes, I see that I'm not a nice person sometimes. Yeah, I see that. So what? I can't do anything about it. This beast, every time I slay it, it rears its head again. It comes back to life. There's no way I can overcome it. Yeah, I don't lie. Not about this. I don't know what I do lie about, but I'm sure I must lie about something, but not about this. This is too important. I must lie about other things, but whatever. Right now, we need to talk about disliking the behavior of the personality without disliking ourselves. But when your self, when your whole identity is in this thing, then you dislike yourself. Then it's time to remember you're not just one. There are parts of your personality that are likable. 
They're not all like this. And so that's the way out of that. What happens then? Ah, the work strikes hard at our self-love, very hard. But slowly, the personality becomes less active. When the personality becomes less active, automatically the essence becomes more active. All that energy, all that force has to go somewhere. But I don't feel it, I don't see it. No, because your feeling of I is in your personality. You're never going to feel anything in your essence until you shift to that. Sadly, and this is probably one of the saddest things that happen, we justify what we observe. We see it, and we say, yes, but this is why. Yes, but if that didn't happen. Yes, but it's our parents. Our parents raised us like this. It's not our fault. Our parents did this to us. These are justifications that have to be removed. We have to get rid of them. They are the things that are feeding the personality. We blame others. We rage and pout in a tantrum of self-love. This is useless. It can never lead to the development that's possible through making personality passive. But as the rage dies down, we often fret. I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain and his fatal wound was healed. We may even despair. Who is like the beast? Who is able to wage war with him? But the battle is not ours. And this is the thing that people seem to miss in esoteric teachings regularly. And it's because they do these teachings from the personality. They try to do it from the personality. You have to work on the personality. You can't let the personality work on you. You have to reach your essence through your personality, not let your personality deal with this work. The battle is not ours. It belongs to the light of consciousness. Our job is to direct it inwardly through self-observation. Be certain that as long as you are turned outward, you will never shine the light that will slay the beast, freeing us from its prison. You will never shine it in the right direction as long as you're turned outward. You must begin to turn inwards. Learn to sense inwardly. Through proper self-observation, learn to see what you are like, what this personality is like. Just learn to see it. Dislike its behavior. Not hate it, just dislike its behavior. And that's all. It's not your job to kill it. It's not your job to stop it. Your only job is to allow the light to fall on it. Nothing more. It looks like nothing will happen. But slowly, eventually, that takes energy away from it and gives it to your essence. And your being begins to grow. Imperceptibly at first, your being begins to grow. Other people will notice it first and they will resent you for it. But sooner or later, your being will grow, your understanding will be enlarged, and things will change. You are the best in matter. What's more